Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. I'm a little gun shy every time I come up on the stage now, because last time I was here, my fly was down. Remember that? I'm always like, oh, man, I'm like super gun shy. So forgive me if it happens a couple times during the service. Um, anyways, my name is Nate Severson. I'm the youth pastor here at Hillcrest, and it is an honor for us to be together. And this morning, we are going to talk about what it means to be rescued from an ordinary life. Rescued from an ordinary life. And we're going to look at that simple text, just one verse. It's literally like if you said, Nate, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? What verse do you think about more than any other verse in the Bible? It's probably John 10.10. And it says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I've come, and Jesus is speaking here, that you might have life to the fullest. And so this morning, as we talk about being rescued from an ordinary life, here is my hope for you. My hope that whether you're a high school student, a middle school student, you're in elementary school, whatever age you are, adult, young, old, whoever you are, wherever you come from, I pray that as we dive into John 10, 10 together, I pray that your heart would start thumping. I pray that your soul would start crying out loud to you because I really believe that John 10, 10 just like any text in scripture, was given to us to change our life. And so as we dive into this text, as we look at it together as a family, I want to ask that you would be honest about what God might be saying to you. And I'm saying, I'm talking to myself and I'm saying this as well. That you would be open to whatever that thing is inside of you that wants to come out, which I believe is Jesus, that you would reply to that, that you would respond to that, not just by nodding your head, but by the way that you and I live our lives when we walk out of this place, that tomorrow, whatever tomorrow looks like for you, that what happens today, that God would do something in your life. You know, I shared with you in a prayer request, or as we prayed, that our good friend George Jackson went to, went to be home with the Lord this week. Incredible man. An amazing man that had a huge influence on a lot of people's lives. And right now, George is worshiping with Jesus because God spoke to his heart, and it started beating, and it started thumping, and his soul wanted to just come out because he, God spoke to him, and he gave his life to Jesus. And because of that decision to follow Jesus with all of his life, right now as you and I are here, he is in heaven with Jesus, worshiping him. And so I want to pray that you would do what George did, that you would respond that you would reply, no matter where you are in your journey with Christ. And we'll get to that in a little bit. To set that up, though, I want to play a little game. So you need to get with a partner. You don't have to walk across the room. Just find the person next to you. And to help us to think about our lives just a little bit more, we're going to do a little trivia together. And since Pastor Mark is not here, okay, we're going to volunteer him that if you get 100% of these right, that he's going to come to your house and he's going to take your car to your garage, and he's going to wash it the best it's ever been washed. He's going to detail the inside of it. He's going to wax it, and it's going to look better than it even looked when it was brand new. Okay, deal? So it's, there's just four questions. So he might be busy, okay, but he's not here, so we're going to volunteer him for that. So you're going to see a couple questions up here, and all I want you to do is you and your partner, okay, you don't have to write them down. You just kind of work together and try to figure out which answer you think is correct. And there's only four, so it's not that difficult. So the first question is this, where would you find people with the highest average lifespan? All around the world, where would you find people with the highest average lifespan? You've got four answers. Come up with your answer. Let's see the answer. 
Moved to Japan. Okay, how many got that right? We got, got, got a few, got a bunch? Okay, good, well done. Okay, next question, here we go. The oldest person to ever live, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, lived how many years? Again, four possible answers. No matter what the answer is, that's a lot of years. Okay, come up with your answer. Here is your answer. 122 years. Okay? That is a long, stinking time to be alive. Okay? Next question. What is the average lifespan for the Galapagos Island tortoise? Okay, now we're going to go to animals. What do you think? Four possible answers. By the way, who's got 100% so far, you and your partner? Okay, you're two for two. All right, we'll see on this one. Here's your answer. 193 years. Crazy. Here's your last question. I'm serious. It's going to happen. On average, how many days can a human expect to live? On average, how, now this is a big answer for some of you. Some of you that are three for three, this is a big answer because Mark, I'll give you his cell phone number and you can speed dial him right away. He's actually probably watching right now, so Mark, get ready for a busy week. Here's your answer. How many days the average human lives? 30,000 days. Now, for some of you that are good at math, you were probably able to look at that and do a little math and try to figure that one out. But here's what I want, to th I want us to think about today. As you think about your life, just think about 30,000 days for a moment. Okay, God created you. Okay, this is why I said, let me see your eyeballs for a second. I want you to hear this. God created you. Like you were knit together in your mother's womb. And God created you and he created me to be in a relationship with him. And not only did he create us to be in a relationship with him, but he did not create us, and I want to make this crystal clear, to be ordinary people. Okay? God did not create you to be ordinary. There's no part of your life when it's lived in Jesus that should be ordinary. Your 30,000 days that God has designed you, let's just pretend we're all going to live that. Okay? Some of you maybe have reached that point. Okay? We're not going to have you raise your hand. Okay? But, but some of us... We need to be reminded of over and over again that those 30,000 days, every single one of those days that God created you, was it so you would not be ordinary. Now, let's talk about ordinary just for a second. Okay, I hope I don't offend anyone when I describe ordinary. Certainly, you could throw in your two cents on ordinary. But when I think of ordinary, I kind of think of the American dream, right? When people say the American dream, we think about what? Well, you go to high school, junior high, middle school, whatever, you graduate from high school and you work really hard on your grades so that what? You get great grades so you can get into a what? A great school. And once you get in the great school, what, what's, what's then the goal of the great school? To get a what? A great job so you can make lots of what? See, you've heard this before. And you make lots of money so you can buy lots of what? Stuff. And then the stuff just kind of sits there and you want to make more money because that stuff that you thought would kind of fill some voids in your life doesn't do it. I think that's what ordinary can be for us. But when we talk about when Jesus created us not to be ordinary people, when he created us to be extraordinary people, what happens is, is all those things might happen in your life. But at the same moment that those things are happening, the guiding force of your life is Jesus. That when Jesus takes your ordinary life and he does something amazing with it, he takes your time at school 
okay? We've got a lot of middle school and high school kids here today. He takes your time at school, and he makes it more than just going to school. But Jesus says, man, I want to be a part of everything that you do at school. And then when you get that great college scholarship or whatever you do post-high school, you go do that. And Jesus is the focus of those, that time. That Jesus is the center point of your life. You know, I love when scripture says, in everything you do in word or deed, do it all into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after you graduate from college and you get that great job, that dream job that you always wanted, again, Jesus is a part of all of that. And he has guided you and he's directed you. And when you start thinking about the stuff that you're going to get with the money you get, maybe Jesus gives you a little different perspective on the stuff that you're going to get. And it changes your life. And that life that you thought was just ordinary becomes extraordinary because Jesus does something amazing. John 10.10 says, I've come that you, you right there, me right here, that we would have life to the fullest. But it also says at the beginning that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I think, just personal opinion, is that I think the thief loves it when we're ordinary. I think the thief loves it when you and I think that when we just live an ordinary life, that we're living the life that God has created us to live. You know, when I think about, like, a message, when I think about, like, even this sermon, I think about three different kinds of people. Forgive me for putting you in a category, but go with me here. I think of the person that's here today that's sold out for Jesus, that you are living your life and you are sold out for him, that every heartbeat that you beat is beating for Jesus, that you have committed your life to him and you're going for it with all of your life. I also think about another person, and that's a stumbler. Maybe someone that has committed their life to Jesus, that back in the day gave their life to Jesus, but right now, because of different circumstances, is struggling. Your relationship with Jesus isn't what it used to be because of decisions that you have made. And right now you're stumbling. You're struggling. And I also think about the person that, and you've heard the term around the church sometimes used, the seeker. The person maybe that hasn't given their life to Jesus. The person hasn't committed their life to Jesus. And I think about those three different kinds of people, and I think those three different kinds of people certainly could be represented here. Again, forgive me for putting you in a category. But I want to just say something. Is that as we think about John 10.10, if you're sold out for Jesus, you know, the first part about John 10.10, the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the thief wants to do to your life. And so if you're sold out for Jesus, I really think that the thief wants to steal your joy. He knows that you have given your life to Jesus. And so the more the thief can steal your joy, the more he can hopefully get you to stumble. And when I say joy, I'm not talking about happiness. Okay? Like, like think about, like, happiness is based on circumstance. Circumstance. The, the, the Royals win the World Series. How many of you were happy? We know Jack was. Yes. Okay? I was happy last night because the U.S. men's team won a soccer game. It was a great, like, I was happy based on circumstance. But you know what happens with joy? It's a big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is this supernatural gift that God gives you and me when we're sold out for him. And so I think the thief, when the thief thinks about you, if you're a sold out person, I think the thief wants to come and he wants to, ki- wants to kill you or, or to steal your joy. If you're a stumbler, if you're someone that says, man, I've trusted Jesus with my life, but right now I'm really struggling. 
I think the thief wants to kill your witness. With the person that's sold out, the thief wants to steal your joy. I think the thief, if you're a stumbler, wants to kill your witness. He wants to make you as ineffective as you possibly can be. He wants to even maybe convince you that being ordinary is okay. That it's okay to just stay ordinary. And when he does that, oftentimes it kills our witness. Because what? when we have committed our life to Jesus, when we said, Jesus, you can have my life, we've also said, Jesus, I'm going to be your what? Your witness. Wherever you might call me to be. And so the more the thief can kill our witness, the more the thief feels like he gets the victory. And if you're someone here that's a seeker, you're someone that's, that, that would identify with a person that maybe hasn't given their life to Jesus, I think what the thief wants to do in your life, and forgive me for being really strong in my language, he wants to destroy your life. He wants to take your focus off of Jesus. And he wants to keep you from ever seeing him or responding to him. And he wants to destroy your life. He wants to blind you from God's truth. And so today, I want to just pray that as we think about the thief's role in our life, that we might acknowledge right now, maybe if you're even thinking about those kind of three categories, that you might acknowledge maybe where you are in that journey with Jesus. But the beauty is, is that like, like if you think about it, if we just ended the message right here, it would be kind of depressing, right? Like we just talked about the thief's job and the thief's, like if you think about the thief's role in your life, it's not good. And yet what's so beautiful about God calling us or rescuing us from an ordinary life is that we don't have to be defined by the thief. We get to be defined by a God of the universe, the God that created you and that wants a relationship with you. And so I'm going to just take a moment here today to not really so much worry about the thief, but really talk about what the rescue looks like. To look, look at what it means to be rescued by a God that desperately loves us. A God that looks at you and me, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've come from, and he says, I've come that you might have life to the fullest. Let me rescue your life. And so as we think about rescue, I want to just share a couple thoughts. Number one, the rescue begins when we recognize our need to be saved. The rescue in our life comes when you and I recognize the need to allow Jesus to enter all areas of our life. Listen to this incredible verse from Romans 10.9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, let me just pause for a second. I've talked to a lot of people that when they hear about the need to be saved, the, the, the challenge to trust Jesus with all of their life, people get a little nervous. Like I remember when, now, now I'm a Twins fan, forgive me, okay, I cheer for the Royals, but I remember, I grew up in Minnesota, and I remember when the Twins won the World Series, okay, long time ago, long time ago, okay, and Tim Ciccone, who was a youth pastor here a little while ago, Tim and I went down to the World Series parade, okay, because we were going to celebrate, just like probably all of you did when the Royals won the World Series. And I remember we went down to cheer on the twins and go to this parade. And as we're walking down there, I was with a bunch of high school buddies. And a lot of my high school buddies, they didn't know the Lord. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They would say they were a seeker. And I remember as we're walking along, there was this dude that was standing up on a box. 
okay? And he was like standing up really high. And everybody that was going by, he started preaching at him. And he looked at my buddies, and, he's, and, and he literally looks him in the eyes and he says, if you were going to die right now, where would you go? And all my buddies, okay? And, and I'm telling you, most of my buddies at that point didn't, didn't have a relationship with Jesus. We're like, we would go to heaven. They totally lied to the guy. And, and, and we talked about it a little bit more. And, and honestly, like, like the feedback that they gave to that encounter with this guy, they were just freaked out. And, and, and they knew that I was a Christian, and they knew Tim was a Christian. And their biggest fear was that if they gave their life to Jesus, that they were going to have to be like that guy. And that's a kind of a scary thing for a lot of people. But, man, when Jesus rescues us from an ordinary life, he doesn't turn us into that guy. He turns us into someone that gets overwhelmed by his joy and his love. I actually brought a couple pictures here of people that, that sometimes come to mind when I think of, you know, when people get scared of giving their life to Jesus. Maybe you think about this picture right here, the church lady from Saturday Night Live. You guys remember her or him, Dana Carvey? Okay, the church lady. We think, man, if I give my life to Jesus, this is what I'm going to look like. Okay, or this is pushing the button a little bit, I know. But or we think we're going to look like this guy. <laughs> look at that guy. We think that we got to get this, like the biggest cross ever, and we got to wear it around, and we got to represent just like that. And I, as a lot of us could probably stand up and tell a story, this isn't what Jesus turns us into when we trust him with our life. Okay, when we say what rescue looks like is we recognize the need to be saved, God, God bless this guy. He's probably doing great things for the Lord. Okay? But you know what? I'm pretty sure that the Lord's not going to call you to be that guy. Okay? The Lord wants to work on our life. And when we recognize the need to be saved, when we trust him with our life, and we can take that picture off, by the way. We don't need this to be scarred by that anymore. It literally changes everything. Another thing that happens when the rescue begins is that you acknowledge the thief's temptations. And the thief loves to use temptation to be the very thing to take our eyes off of Jesus. When the thief comes after you, no matter where you are in your journey, the thief is going to tempt us. And temptation is kind of like the thing, whatever it, whatever it is, it's like the elephant in the room that all, all, oftentimes gets in the way of us seeing Jesus for who he really is. I love Hebrews 2.18. It says this, since he himself has gone through suffering and temptation, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. So when Jesus comes to rescue us from an ordinary life, we recognize the need to be saved. We acknowledge the thief's temptations. And when we acknowledge them, we call upon the name of Jesus to help us overcome these things that keep us from seeing him. And it says right in Scripture, it says right in the text that he is able to help us when we are being tempted. Maybe what you and I need to hear this morning, maybe the very thing that's going to rescue us from living an ordinary life is to just call upon him in those moments today when we are tempted to take our eyes off of him. And then the third thing that happens when, when, when um, we're rescued from an ordinary life is that, is that Jesus helps us depend or, or we get to depend on God's strength. And I know you've heard that before. You might even expect that to be part of the answer here. But, but listen to what Psalms 118.13 says. It says, you did your best to kill me, O my enemy, thief, but the Lord helped me. We have this opportunity 
as brothers and sisters. We have this opportunity as a family that when, 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 when we, when the thief is trying to destroy us, when the thief is coming after our life, we have this opportunity and this gift right in front of us to call upon his name and ask him to give us the strength that only he can give so that we're not overwhelmed, so that the thief can't get the victory. And I remember um, not too long ago, there was a kid who used to be part of our youth ministry. And he had made some really just bad decisions when he was in high school. And those bad decisions got worse when he got to college. And they got so bad that, that his life was enveloped in to drugs and partying to the point where his body started to shut down. And his family called, and they just said, Nate, um, his name is Bobby. He said, Bobby, Bobby is, is probably not going to make it. His body's literally shutting down. And he asked if you would come and just spend a little time with him. And so I went and I walked into Bobby's room. And, and I went up to Bobby's bed. And this is literally hours before he went to be home with the Lord. And as Bobby's laying in his bed, right next to his bed, was his confirmation Bible. The Bible that we as a church had given him when he was in eighth grade. And I looked at that book, and as Bobby and I were talking, his dad said that this book was, was the, the Bible, he said, was, was but what Bobby couldn't put down his last couple days. And what Bobby had done was he had just taken time when he was laying in his bed in the hospital, and he went through, and he just kept reading these verse after verse after verse from Scripture that he had highlighted when he was in eighth grade. And the, the, these verses started to come alive in his dying body. And what was so amazing about Bobby's life was as his body was literally dying, his soul was coming alive. You see, Bobby realized that even at the end of his life, that he could call upon the strength of the Lord. He could call upon God's strength to help him come alive. Maybe his body was not going to come alive, but his soul could come alive. And Bobby became this living testimony till his last breath about a God that came to rescue his life that had for many years become very ordinary, but at the end of his life had become extraordinary because he called upon the Lord. And so how can you and I, just want, to, just want you to think about this question, how can you and I Move beyond being ordinary. Think about your life. Like if you were super honest about what's going on in your life right now. Are you living an ordinary life? Am I living an ordinary life? Where maybe we might even, some of us in this room, might, might even say that we're stumbling right now. That there are things in our lives that are keeping us from trusting the Lord in all circumstances of our life. You know, if you are a person that would identify yourself as a stumbler, and I want to challenge you this morning, that if you, want to, if you want to live an extraordinary life, if you want to move past being ordinary, I want to challenge you to beat temptation. That whatever happens today, when, when, when temptation comes your way today, that when it comes that you would remember that you can call upon the name of the Lord 
for strength to get through it. And I know I've heard people, I, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand. Listen, like the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is given to you and to me to live our lives. And so when we say we can't, God says you're exactly right. You can't unless you call upon me. And so if you're stumbling today, I want to challenge you in your life. If you want to move beyond ordinary, beat temptation. If you're someone that's sold out, you say, man, I'm still living for Jesus. I'm going all for him. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my very best to do that. I want to challenge you to not be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with where you are right now in that journey. You know, here at Hillcrest, we talk about, oh, there goes the name tag. We talked about bringing every person to what? To life in Christ. Let that be a part of your life. If you are sold out for Jesus, do not be satisfied and live your life in such a way that your heartbeat beats for people that don't know Jesus. And you want to grow closer to him as we look up, but you also want to look, grow closer to him as you surround yourself with people that love Jesus so that when you go out, you can represent him well. So if you are sold out for Jesus, do not be satisfied and move closer to him today. And if you're someone that would identify yourself as a seeker, Someone who's here today and your heart right now is beating a million miles a minute because you feel like God is speaking to you maybe in ways that he's never spoken to before. I want to challenge you to let him in. To let him into your life. I love Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus says, man, here I am. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Anyone who what? Opens the door and what? Let's me in. I will come to be with him. Jesus today is challenging you to step beyond the ordinary. To not be defined by being a person that's living an ordinary life. But that you might be a person that is sold out for him. So whether you live 30,000 days in a lifespan, maybe today's your last day. Maybe you're going to live a lot more than 30,000. Whatever it is, God has not called you to be ordinary. God has called you and he's called me to experience and to live life to the full. And someday, like we're going to celebrate George Jackson's life this week, someday there's going to be a celebration for your life. And there's going to be a celebration for my life. And I pray that every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room at that celebration, there's going to be stories and testimonies about the extraordinary life that you lived, that there's not, not going to be anything ordinary about the stories that are told of your life because you have embraced the reality that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and you're not going to be defined by that, but God has come that you might have life to the fullest. And so I want to just pray over us right now that that would be true of our lives. Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's here. God, I thank you for creating us. And God, I thank you that you desperately pursue us. Lord, you are literally pursuing us right now. And so, Lord, for those of us in this room that are sold out to you, Father, I pray that, that, that we would never, ever, ever look ordinary. God, that we would continue to pursue you with everything we have. Because we want to know you more. We want to know you deeper. For those of us in this room that are struggling, that are stumbling right now, Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give all of us in this room strength to beat temptation, 
to call upon your name. And God, that you would rescue us from the situations that we're in. And Father, for those of us in this room that don't know you, God, I pray in this moment right now, God, that they would call upon your name, that they would open their hearts up to you. God, that they would believe that you have come, that you have died on the cross, Lord, that that you have come, that they might have life to the fullest. And God, that they might trust you with everything. And so thank you for our church. God, let us not be ordinary. Today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. And God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.